Many times we'll ask uh, Q&A. We'll have a Q&A and let people ask a question. Uh, maybe that they'd like to ask um, about something. Uh, maybe a question from something they've been reading or, uh, or even maybe they had a conversation with somebody and they weren't exactly sure how to answer them. And so I thought tonight, with everybody being in here, um, we're going we're gonna to tr- do that this evening as well, with it being the last Sunday night uh, of the year. And so I'm going to w- open it up to, to questions. If you have a question tonight and uh, something maybe you'd like to ask, uh, again, we're talking biblical questions, right? Uh, you know, we're not talking like who's going to win the Super Bowl or anything like that. Just, these are biblical questions, okay? And uh, so... Um, uh, and I, I have a couple in case, some, in case we don't, but I, I really feel like, you know, we have the young adults in here, we have the teenagers in here, and that's always a dangerous thing as well, but uh, we have uh, the adults in here as well, and so uh, i give you an opportunity tonight to maybe ask a question or two. So anybody have a question that you would like to ask tonight? Any uh, question um, maybe you've been thinking about asking, and tonight is the opportunity for you to be able to ask that question. Three, two, one. Go. All right, Miss Terry. Very good. Sure. Right, yep. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, and that's the, that's a that's a question that so many people have, and, and you know the question is that she's asking is why do why do certain things happen, right? Uh, why do things happen in our life? Miss Terry was talking about how yesterday was the the anniversary of when she was able to get out of the hospital after being uh, in the hospital for a while there, um, and why why do things uh, happen? Uh, some people say why do good things happen to or why do bad things happen to good people? Um, and why, why do we see the, uh, the famines? Why do we see the wars? Why do we see all these different things taking place, um, around the world? And that's a great question. And, and this is something that many times people say, well, if God really, um, if, if you're God that you say that you serve, if you're God that you say that, uh, the God of the Bible, if he really was this great God, then why would he allow these things to happen? If he's a God of love, wouldn't he like keep these things from happening? And um, the the thing is, again, it's um, it's kind of the the answer is almost kind of in the question, right? Why would God allow these things to happen? Um, and of course, we understand that everything that takes place, God knows exactly what's happening. But is it God? Is it God's fault that these things are happening? See, it's not God's fault that these things are happening. Whose fault is it? It's man's fault, right? God didn't create the world to experience death. God didn't create the world to experience sickness. God didn't create the world for natural disasters like famine and floods and things like this. God didn't create the world in that way. God created it perfect. God created it perfect. And God created Adam and Eve, and they were innocent without sin. God placed them in the Garden of Eden uh, where he had provided everything that they needed, um, and there, there was not, there weren't any of those things there. 
there wasn't sin, there wasn't uh, sickness, there wasn't death, there wasn't any of that. But what happened? God told them in the garden, you can eat of all the trees that you would like except for the tree of knowledge of good and evil, right? And what did they do? Did they obey God? No, they didn't. They didn't obey God. And God had told them, and here's the thing. You say, well, why does God, you know, why, if God was such a loving God, why would he allow these things to happen? Well, God told them exactly what would happen. God said, the day that you eat of this tree, thou shalt surely die. Right? God told them exactly the consequences that would happen. God said, if you eat of the tree, you're going to die. People say, well, you know, that's just, that's just not fair. If God, you know, God shouldn't have put the tree there. Well, we can, we can come up with all kinds of what ifs. But here's the thing. God wanted man to, to choose to love him, not to be forced to love him. We're not forced to love God. No one is forced to love God. God wants man to choose to love him. That's why even when we think about Christmas and we think about Jesus being born, why did God send Jesus? To die for our sins, right? So that we could be saved. Now, does God force that salvation upon everybody? Does God force people to accept him as their savior? No. It's their choice. They have to willingly choose whether they will put their faith and trust in Christ or whether they're going to trust some other thing. So it's not why does God allow bad things and and things like this to happen. What we see happening in the world, whether it's a sickness, whether it's a disease, whether it's a famine, whether it's a, a catastrophe, all of that is a result of man's fall. It's a result of the curse of, of the fall of sinful men. Now, can God use those things in people's lives? Well, of course he can. Of course he can use those things in people's lives, right? Um, God can use all those things in people's lives. But he, and, and here's the thing we have to understand. Just because somebody is a Christian does not exempt them from the curse that is on the world. Just because I have chosen to put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ doesn't mean that I'm never going to get sick. Just because I choose to put my faith in Christ doesn't mean that I'm not going to die. Why? Because all of those things are, are a result of our sin nature. And as long as we are in this fleshly body, the sinful body, we are always going to experience the results of our sinful nature. That's why the Bible tells us that one day we're going to get a new body, right? God's going to give us a new body because this sinful body, it's always going to, it's always going to experience those things. Okay. Um, and so one day God's going to give us a new body, but as long as we're here on this earth and as long as we have this physical body, Hey, people are going to get sick. People are going to die. People are going to go through difficult things. There's going to be wars. There's going to be famines that that is simply a result of the fall of man. But the one thing that we have to ask, and and this is what even Romans tells us in the book of Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 8, in verse number 28, he says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. Right? So everything that God is allowing to happen, right, whether it's the wars, whether it's famine, whether it's uh, sickness or whatever it is, God says his purpose behind these things is for good. It's for good. Now, whether it, in a sickness, again, I can't tell you every thing that God is trying to do in a person's life. 
I can't tell you that because only God knows that, right? You say, well, why does this person get sick? I don't know. I don't have the answer to that, right? But I know that God's trying to do something. God's trying to work in that person's life or God's trying to use that individual to be a testimony for the Lord Jesus Christ, whatever it might be. Um, you, you've heard me share this testimony before about, uh, about Brother Michael, um, Michael Kabushi in, in Uganda. Michael is a crippled and he was born as a cripple, and he basically he he walks on his hands. Uh, his his legs uh, are, are are very shriveled up. He can't walk on his legs. In fact, they're they're kind of he just kind of sits on the ground, um, and he has to kind of pull himself along with his hands. He, he's not able. To, he can't walk like we can. And somebody could say, well, why would God allow that to happen to that man? Um, and I, I don't know. I can't give you an answer why God would allow that to happen. But I can tell you what Michael has done with it. I can tell you that Michael has not allowed that disability to keep him from serving Jesus. Michael has not allowed that disability, which, let's be honest, if we had that disability, what would we do with it? Would we blame God? You know, I've never heard in all the years that I've known Michael, I've never heard him one time blame God for his disability. Never. In fact, he, he uses that disability as a way to serve God. Uh, Michael, again, he, cannot, uh, he can't walk like, like you and I can. Um, he has to basically kind of use his hands and things to walk. But Michael is one of the most faithful per- people in church that you'll ever find. Now, we got people that have two good legs and they're not faithful. Right? But here's a man that's crippled and I can't. I, I can't hardly tell you how many times I've ever, I ever saw, saw Michael ever miss church. Soul winning. Going out knocking on doors. Michael's there. You say, well, how does he do that? Well, he does it a little bit different. He's not able to go house to house like what we can. So you know what he, you know what he does? He gets a big old stack of tracks, and he'll pull himself out to the main road there, and he'll sit right on the main road, and as people go by, he'll give them all tracks. He can't, he can't go out and knock on people's door and go around the community. He's, he's just not physically able to do that. But he's not going to let his disability keep him from doing what God wants him to do. right? And I think you say, well, what does that have to do with the verse? Well, think about it. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God. Michael has taken something that many people would say is bad, and he said, no, it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. It's a, it's a way to serve God. It's a testimony to God and what God is doing in his life. And And yet so many people who are physically able don't. We have the physical abilities. We have the, we have legs. We're able to walk. We're able to run. We're able to do all these things. And yet we won't even do many times the things that a cripple is doing for the Lord Jesus Christ. So again, we can't say why God has allowed certain things to happen. We know that it is a result of sin. And here's the thing. People say, well, why do, why do bad things happen to good people? Well, is there anyone that is really good? You know, the Bible says the rain falls on the just and the unjust alike. Right? I mean, farmers out there that are saved and farmers out there that are lost. And guess what? Both crops grow. Right? Brother Corey, you were going to say something? Right. Right. 
Yep. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know if many people know this, and I don't know that I've ever really, I don't know that I've ever really talked about this much, but I can remember hearing the testimony of a man, and um, it made such an impact in my life that I said, how could I not serve God with my life? Many, many years ago, I don't know how we heard of it, or I don't, I, I don't really remember all the details to it, but I remember at our home, we were, we were watching this evangelist on TV. Um, and he was standing up there and he was talking. It was kind of hard to understand. He had cerebral palsy. And he's talking and he's talking about basically the same question. Why did God allow these things to happen to his life? And he starts going through and saying, people said that this would never happen. I'd never be able to walk. And he was up there walking. He said, I'd never be able to, to talk right. And he says, you know, I, I, I don't talk perfect, but I can talk. And he said, they said, I'd never get married. And he said, I got married. I never have children. I have children. He said, I never serve God. And I'm serving God. Some of you may have heard this man's testimony. His name is David Ring. I don't know anything. I don't know much about him from the time that I heard him. I don't know if he's still alive or not. I, I, I'm not really sure. But I remember David Ring, this man, this evangelist, was up there preaching with cerebral palsy. And he didn't talk clear. His hands weren't as good as my hands. His feet weren't as good as my feet. His speech wasn't as good as my speech. But this is what he said. He said, I have cerebral palsy. What's your problem? What's your problem? He said, if God can take me and use me, don't you think God can take and use you? I never, I never forgot that. Here's a man, and I, I probably never meet him in my life, but that statement probably had, has had more impact on my life than any statement that I've ever heard in my life. My name is David Rain. I have cerebral palsy. What's your problem? And I looked at my life and I, I don't have a problem. My legs work just fine. My feet work just fine. My hands work just fine. My mouth works just fine. Why can't I serve God the way he's serving God? And so sometimes God uses it just like what Brother Corey says. It's for the glory of God. I don't know if I'll ever get to meet that man. I don't, again, I don't even know if he's still alive. But what he said, and because of him allowing God to use him, God worked in my life so that I would surrender to be used of him. We can't always answer the question why. We can come up with lots of what ifs, right? We have to understand that God is in control no matter what is happening in our life. And if we will look, just look to him and if we'll trust him, that he's in control. And see, that's, that's where, and again, it, let's be honest, it's easier to say that. It's easier to say than do. It's easy to say, well, I'll trust God when, it's, when times are difficult. I'll trust God when things get bad. Well, look, if we can't trust God when things are easy, do we really think we're going to trust God when it gets bad? 
You know, people say, well, you know, if, if they start coming out and saying Christians can't go to church, I'm going to be in church. Well, you're not really in church now. Why are you going to do that when they say you can't be in church? I mean, you look at how many churches are still closed because of COVID. And it's not that COVID closed them. It's that nobody came back. COVID didn't close them. They just found an excuse not to go back. And we think somehow that when persecution comes and all this, then we're going to be faithful. (laughs) I think you're going to find out there's not going to be as many faithful as what we'd like to admit there are. We just have to trust him to know that he's in control. And we may not understand all the circumstances. We may not understand everything. We may not understand why God allows something like that to happen. But think about how God has used that, not only in your life and your family's life, but in other people's lives around you, that you can be a testimony and say, hey, look at what God has done in my life. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. That's good. Very good. Somebody else? TJ? This is a weird one, but why is Jesus from the line of Judah? Specifically Judah. Is there that? Why is he from the line of Judah? Yeah. Um, well, that was prophecy foretold that he would come from the line of Judah. And so, of course, obviously, God fulfilling prophecy, he's going to come through uh, that, that tribe. Um, and that's why when you look at the, um, you look at the genealogy, both Mary and Joseph, of course, we know Joseph was not his earthly father, right? Um, Jesus did not have an earthly father. Um, it was a virgin birth, okay? But both Joseph and Mary can trace their lineage back to being of the tribe of Judah. Um, again, that was, that was foretold prophecy-wise. Um, yeah, Ms. Steph? Mm-hmm. Why Judah and not Joseph? Why Judah, not one of the other tribes, basically? Mm-hmm. That's an interesting... Because the book of Genesis, most of the end part is all Joseph. Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't think I've ever been asked that question before. That's an interesting, that's an interesting question. Um, I mean, uh, other than obviously the fact that it was foretold it was prophesied that he'd be of the tribe of judah um and whether that was because god knew that david would be in that tribe and the lineage of of david in that tribe um i think when you go back and and you look at even um when um jacob is giving the blessing of his children um including joseph and the others um I believe, if, if I'm not mistaken, that in that blessing that Jacob gives, he even speaks about the tribe of Judah being a, um, a, royal, tri- a royal tribe. A, um, is that, where is that at? Somebody know where that's at real quick? Genesis 50. Genesis 50? Let me see here. Anybody know where it's at real off the top of your head? Um, let's see, Genesis 49. Um, yeah. yeah, and if you go down even to verse number 8, it says, Judah, thou art he whom thy brethren shall praise. 
Thy hand shall be in the neck of thine enemies. Thy father's children shall bow down before thee. Um, Judah's a lion's whelp from the prey, my son. Thou art gone up. He, he stooped down. He couched as a lion. And as an old lion who shall arouse him, the scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh come, and unto him shall the gathering of the people be. Uh, binding his foal unto the vine, and as is cold unto the choice vine, he washed his garments in wine and his clothes in the blood of grapes. So even when Jacob is giving that, um, that blessing upon each of his sons, that's part of that blessing that Judah would be of that, ro- uh, that royal line. Um, and, and, of course, through that is going to come the kings. It's going to come David and, and all of his descendants. And then, of course, uh, of course Jesus as well. Um, when, you, when you think about, and of course this is a, a promise that God gave to David as well, when David was chosen to be king by God, um, that there would be a descendant of David on the throne forever until Jesus Christ would come. And that's why even when the kingdoms divide and the kingdoms split, uh, you have the northern kingdom, you have the southern kingdom, even though all of the kings in the northern kingdom were wicked, and none of those kings were descendants from the tribe of Judah. They were all from other different tribes and things like this. Um, Not every king in the southern kingdom of the the kingdom of Judah uh, was a good king. Um, Some of them were good, some of them were bad, but they were all those that were descendants of David and following the Davidic covenant that God had promised to David. And so just as God promised the Abrahamic covenant, God promised the Davidic covenant, um, that there would always be that, that king coming from, from the line of David, coming from the tribe of Judah. Again, going all the way back, even to the prophecy here um, with Jacob blessing his sons um, and basically saying it's going to be from the tribe of Judah that the scepter is going to come, that the, that royal lineage that is going to come from. Now, again, why did God choose Judah? Um, was it because that God knew that that's where David was going to come from and that's where Jesus would eventually come from? Most most likely, and so that's why God chooses Judah there. Yeah, Miss Rachel? Kind of going off of that, why did God allow them to choose Saul when he wasn't from the tribe of Judah? Well, like the kingdom was supposed to be the royal Sure. Yeah, why did, God, why did God allow Israel to choose Saul? Because they were looking for a man. They were not looking for God's anointed. They were looking for a man to be the king. Uh, They rejected God. They said, we want a king like everybody else. So God gave them a king like everybody else, someone that fit the bill, right? I mean, what was Saul? The Bible says Saul was head and shoulders of everybody else. He was the one that looked like he was supposed to be the king. He fit the bill to be a king. The only problem was he didn't have a heart for God, right? And that's why when David comes, right, Samuel comes to Jesse's house, and who does he see first? Eliab or Eliab, right? He says, hey, this guy fits the bill. This is the guy. He, he, man, he's got to be the one that fits the bill. And God says, nope, he's not the one. And then he goes through all of his sons. Nope, not the one. Until what? The last one comes in who wasn't quite as, you know, as strong and as maybe good looking as the other ones or whatever. But he, God says, that's the one. Why? Because he had a heart for God. He had a heart for God. Um, and so Saul, even though he was chosen by the people, uh, yes, yeah, Saul's going to be their king. Um, he was just like everybody else's king, um, basically kind of concerned for himself and not not for God and, and not for the people. Does somebody else have a... I thought I saw another hand about that. Okay. Good. 
Very good. Anybody else have a question? Somebody else? Brian? Did God create sin? Um, no. God did not create sin. Uh, man choosing to sin. Disobedience to God is sin, right? The Bible says that sin is the transgression of the law. That's what James tells us, right? Sin is the transgression of the law. So God is not creating sin. Sin enters when we disobey, right? And, of course, we know the first one to disobey was who? The first one to disobey. Lucifer, right? Lucifer was the first one to disobey, right? God created him for a specific purpose, and he says, I'm not content to be that what God wants me to be. And I'm going to disobey God. He rebelled. He led a rebellion against God, trying to overthrow God. God says, sorry, that's not going to work. Out you go. Right? And then, of course, after God creates Adam and Eve, then Lucifer uh, or Satan then tries to deceive the woman in thinking that God doesn't care about her and God's hiding something from her and all the, all the lies and the deception that he brings. And then, of course, man makes the choice to sin. Right? And to disobey God. So God didn't create sin. Um, God, God cannot create, God can't create sin. God hates sin. Right? Um, it was man's disobedience that brought sin into the world. Okay? Um, and that's what the Bible says. Sin is the transgression of the law. God, God says, here's my law. This is what I want you to do. And when you break it, that's called sin. It's not just bad things. Right? I know sometimes that's how we try to describe it. Sin is just bad things. No, it's not bad things. It's breaking God's law. Right? We're, we have broken God's law. It's the tr- transgression of the law of God. Um, and, uh, and I think that's important. We need to teach our children that. Sin isn't just a bad thing. Sin is breaking God's law. It's not just saying, you know, hey, I disobeyed mom and dad. Well, that's true. Uh, but whose law is that to obey mom and dad? It's God's law. We heard one of the young people quote it, right, earlier. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Well, because mom and dad says so? No, because God says so. And when we break God's commandments, when we break God's law, that is sin. It's breaking God's law. And it's a serious thing, right? Very good. Yeah, Miss Donna. Satan can read your thoughts. I don't believe so. I don't believe Satan can read your thoughts, right? Um, I believe only God is able to read our thoughts. God is the only one that is able to be all-knowing and that can read our thoughts. Satan cannot. Does Satan know where we are weak? Yes, absolutely. Uh, Satan knows where we're weak. He knows where we struggle, right? I mean, he knows that, okay? Um, think about it. When, when Jesus had been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness, what was his... And I want to be careful when I say this, but what would have been the weakness that he would have had? Hunger, right? So what did Jesus or what did Satan do? Turned offered him, hey, say, if you're really the Son of God, why don't you turn these stones into bread? Right? He knew where he was weak, physically, he was weak because he hadn't eaten for forty days and forty nights. And so he says, Look, hey, why don't you go ahead and turn these stones into bread? Right? So he knows where our weakness is, okay? He knows every, every place we're weak. And that's why, you know, if we really understand, look, the devil, the devil is smart. The devil is, um, is wiser than we will ever be, okay? He knows where we're weak, and he knows how to 
to tempt us. He knows how to deceive us. Okay. He knows all the tricks of the trade. He's been doing it for 6,000 years, right? I think he's got it pretty well figured out. Okay. But that doesn't mean that we have to yield to it. That doesn't mean we have to fall to it. Right. And that's why we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. Okay. So we can get victory of them. But can the devil read our minds? No, I don't believe so. Can a person, can a person be demon possessed? Yes, a person can be demon possessed, not a Christian. A Christian can't be demon possessed, but a, an individual can be demon possessed. Um, and of course, if a person, if an individual is demon possessed, obviously they're being controlled by that demonic spirit or demonic spirits. Um, but a Christian cannot. We can be oppressed, right? We can be oppressed, but we cannot be possessed because we're already possessed. Who are we possessed by? The Holy Spirit of God, right? And the Holy Spirit of God isn't giving up ground. Amen to that, right? He doesn't give up ground. He says, this is mine. Jesus said, I bought it. It belongs to me. You can't have it, right? So the devil cannot possess us. We cannot be demonically possessed, but we can be oppressed, okay? And that is obviously coming from the outside, and that could, you know, there are many things that, that the devil can do to oppress us, right? Uh, that's why it's so important that we walk in the Spirit so that we don't yield to the flesh and yield to our temptations and things like that. But I don't believe that there. I don't believe that there's anywhere that the Scripture teaches that the devil can read our thoughts and read our mind. Now, there's a battle for the mind, right? Go, go to um, I believe is it Second Corinthians chapter ten. Go to Second Corinthians chapter ten. I believe it is. Let me see. Yes, Second Corinthians chapter ten. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, notice in verse number 3, he says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Okay? So notice here, there is a battle for the mind. There is a battle for your mind. Okay. Now, the devil cannot read your thoughts, but the devil can help put thoughts in your mind. You understand what I'm saying? He can't read your thoughts, but he can help put thoughts in your mind. How does he do that? How does the devil put thoughts into our mind? What? Temptation? Oh, so how does the devil put thoughts into our mind? Miss Amy? Okay. He can use our past, our past sins. How else? Doubt, our eyes, he uses our eyes, he uses our ears, right? The things that we see, the things that we hear, what's he do? He's, he's trying to use our surroundings, right? Um, you ever notice how, uh, how the world uses advertising? Why does the world use advertising? Because it works. It works. They're trying to catch your eye and they're trying to catch your ear. Right. If you go through, uh, you go, you go through one of the food courts. What are they trying to catch? Your, your nose, right? Your stomach, right? I mean, that's why they. Oh, would you like to taste? Would you like to try chicken, orange chicken? Would you like to try it here? Try, try a piece of orange chicken, teriyaki chicken. Here it is. Yes, right. And you go and you like eat. Why are you laughing at me? <laughs> so you go and you try a piece of orange chicken, or you try a piece of teriyaki chicken. They're just they're just giving away free food. 
No, they know what they're doing. They know if they can, if you can try that, they're going to be like, hey, we're going to get them. And what happens? You end up ordering a bowl that has three meats in it, right? I mean, they know what they're doing because advertising works. If they can get you with your senses, your eyes, your ears, your nose, whatever it is, your mouth, your stomach, whatever it is, right? They're going to get you. And the devil does the same thing, right? He does the same thing. You look at all the, the wicked commercials and things out there, and you look at all the, I mean, don't look at those things, but if you think about it, what, what is it? It's the devil trying to put these thoughts into your mind. You think about the movies and the, and the books and the, uh, the social media and everything. What is he doing? He's trying to put thoughts into your mind because he's trying to win your mind. So what does he say? What's he say here, right? Casting down imaginations. Where'd those imaginations come from? They didn't come from, from God. These imaginations aren't coming. What is an imagination? Something that's not real. It's not real. It's fake, right? It's fake. It's, it's a fairy tale. It's an imagination. And what's the devil doing? He's trying to put imaginations into our head. He's trying to put those things in, whether it's doubt or whether it's fear, whatever it is he's trying to, uh, whether it's lust, whatever, he's trying to put those things into our head. So he, God says, casting down imagination and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. So anything that the, God says here, anything that is not helping you to grow in the knowledge of God, you better be very careful about letting it in your mind. That means music. What you're watching on TV and on the internet, what you're reading in your books and what you're looking at on social media, anything he said, you say, well, that's, that's pretty strict preacher. I didn't say it. God did. He said, casting down imagination and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. If there's something that is trying to keep you from knowing God and growing in grace and growing in what God wants for you, you better be very careful because the devil's trying to use that to keep your mind away from what God wants. And that's why he says in the very next part, what does he say? And bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. We've got to make sure that every thought you say, man, that's, that's hard to do. You're right. That's why he says, this is a spiritual battle that takes place. It's a spiritual battle taking place, bringing into your, bringing every cap, every thought captive notice to the obedience of Christ. Every thought is this helping me to obey Christ? Every thought is this honoring God? Every thought, is this helping me grow in knowledge of God? These imaginations that I'm thinking, these things that I've got in my mind, is it helping me to get closer to God or is it keeping me from God? If it's not helping me grow closer to God, you know what I need to do? Get rid of it. He said, cast it out. Cast it down. And here's, here's the problem, right? We have allowed the world to influence so much, Right? The, the, whether it's friends, whether it's social media, whether it's Hollywood, whatever it is, we've allowed the world to influence so much. It becomes difficult to cast these things down. The, it's, it's, like, it's like brick walls that we have built up. And it becomes hard. So you know what we say? It's just too hard. I just can't do that. So what do we do? We leave it alone. And the devil wins. We leave it alone and we let the devil get victory in our life. When God says, Hey, wait a second, hold on. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. 
You've got one living in you that is greater than all the power of the, the, the universe combined. You don't think he can help you cast down those things? He can. We have, a, we have a choice, right? Just like salvation, just like everything else. God says it's your choice. You can choose whether to just keep allowing the world to influence you and stick in your mind and put things into your mind and put trash and junk and filth into your mind. And then when it comes time to serve God, what, what's, what's all in our mind? Trash, filth, junk. And then what do we got to do? Man, we got to take time. We got to take months. We got to take years trying to get all that junk out before we can ever really do anything for God because our minds are so full of the junk. When if we'll just start right now and say, hey, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cast those things down and I'm going to start working. I'm going to start making sure that the things that I'm putting in my mind, whether it's through my ears, whether it's through my eyes, whatever it might be, is helping me to know God more. I'm making sure that it's being obedient to Christ. He can't read your thoughts, but he can sure put a lot of thoughts into your mind. And he uses the world to do that. And the world's really good about it. That's a good question. You can't read your thoughts, right? He doesn't know everything that you're thinking. He'd have to be God to do that because only God knows everything. But he can sure help put a lot of junk in there. And he knows the more junk he can put in, the harder it is for us to actually be obedient to Christ and do what God wants us to do. Good question. Anybody else, real quick? Somebody else have a question? Oh, Michael. Yeah, most, most likely. I mean, uh, when Jacob, Jacob actually comes into Egypt and he's there for a number of years before he dies. And so no doubt there was that time to be able to be reconciled with Joseph and, and get things worked out, um, you know, with the rest of the family and things. Obviously, we know everything didn't get worked out <laughs> uh, because once he dies, what's, what happens with the brothers? They come, they come to Joseph and they say, by the way, Dad said, <laughs> forgive us. It wasn't quite worked out as, as maybe as they thought it was. But yeah, I believe that you know when Jacob is able to come into Egypt with Joseph, um, that he's able to be there with Joseph for, for a little bit of time. Um, I'm not sure exactly how, how long it was, but he was there for a little bit because he's even introduced to Pharaoh, and then he's given the land and things like that. And so there was a time there uh, that he was able to be there with the, the rest of the family and everybody that came down from, uh, from Canaan. Anybody else? We got just a couple minutes. Yeah, Corey. Well, um, 
That's a lot of questions in one. <laughs> That's good. Um, so Brother Corey was saying um, sin entered into the garden, or sin entered into the garden. Um, Right, into the world because of the serpent, right? Um, I'm going to be very honest. There's a lot of things in the Bible we're not really going to understand and comprehend fully. I mean, I've, I've always wondered this, right? Eve is there, and the serpent begins to talk to her, and it doesn't phase her one bit. She talks to the serpent. I'm like, you know... Balaam, talking to his donkey. The donkey starts talking to me. He starts talking back to the donkey. I'm like, hello? The donkey is talking to you. The serpent is talking to you, right? I'm just going to be honest with you. I mean, if one of my dogs came up and they started talking to me, I'd probably have a heart attack. Or I'd start running really fast. That's just not normal, right? So I, I, don't really, I don't really know. We don't really know what, you know, how that transpired that she's carrying on this conversation with this serpent. Um, you know, I, I don't think that animals have the ability to talk, but obviously either through Satan's power in, in, in dwelling this serpent, you know, he's able to talk and talk to Eve and convince her that somehow God is uh, being unjust um, and that, you know, if she'll just eat this fruit, that she'll become like God. Um, so I don't know if we would necessarily say that sin had already entered before Adam and Eve sinned, because um, when we think about when we think about sin, and if you go back to Romans chapter uh, Romans chapter five and verse number twelve, I believe it is, it says, "Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin." Nothing there is spoken about the serpent, right? He says, "Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned." Now, there's no doubt that the, the Lucifer sinned against God. He disobeyed God. But when we come to Scripture, when we look at sin, and even, of course, Jesus Christ dying on the cross for sin, there is one specific group that this has to do with. And it's not the angels. It's man, right? It's mankind, right? Jesus doesn't die on the cross for the angels. He dies for man. And that's, again, that's why he says there, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Right? So that sin curse is upon mankind. Um, yes, there were angels that chose to rebel and, and turn away from God. Um, but the Bible doesn't really talk about that as being sin and what we understand as sin and separation from God. Right? And, of course, Jesus having to die on the cross for that sin. So I don't, I'm not really sure that I, would, that I would say that sin entered through the serpent or through Lucifer um, because the Bible doesn't really give that indication. It indicates that sin entered the world because of the disobedience of Adam and Eve. Um, I don't know. You've been, you've been a preacher longer than I have. You you comment on that. You have two different concepts. You have the spirit world and you have humanity. Right. And he says it it, it entered the world, the the earth. Mm-hmm. That's that sphere that we are in. Right. But the angelic world, whether it's demons, whether it's 
Yeah. Right. Yeah. So he's talking about there's two different, obviously there's two different worlds that we would talk about. There is the spirit world and then there's the physical world. And so the physical world is what is being spoken of as far as sin entering in. Obviously, yes, Lucifer has already sinned or disobeyed God. The the third of the angels have already chosen to rebel against God as they have fallen, uh, followed Lucifer. Um, but indicating there's two different, it's two different worlds, if you could say. It'd be like a God, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, and obviously, you know, obviously those uh, those angelic beings that chose to disobey God, there's judgment placed upon them. And um, in fact, when you think about it, the Bible talks about how the lake of fire was not created for man. The lake of fire was created for Lucifer, for the devil, and those that followed him. Um And it's because of man choosing to follow the devil instead of God that man is going to end up going there. Um, But it was never it was never intended for man. It was intended for Lucifer. It was intended for the fallen angels that chose to rebel against God. Yeah. Miss Rachel, is that your your hand up or no? Okay. Um, Yeah, Miss Leslie. Satan comes before God. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and obviously we understand God, you know, God obviously knows, you know, we would say God is omnipresent, right? He's everywhere. Um, and so God knows, obviously there's sin in the world and, um, when we say that God cannot look upon sin, it's not that God doesn't see sin. Obviously, he sees the sin. He, that's why he sent his son to die for our sin. But he cannot accept someone with sin. He cannot accept that person as his own, um, as a sinner, um, and with that sin, because that sin has caused them to be separated from him. Um, and that's why, of course, Jesus had to come and die so that we could um, that payment for sin could be there so that we could be reunited with him. Um, and it's not our payment, it's God's righteousness that covers us. So that when God sees us, he sees his righteousness, not ours, not our sin, but he sees his own righteousness. That's what Romans 3 talks about, um, God seeing his own righteousness. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's that's very, very accurate to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Miss Steph? Absolutely. Satan has to get God's permission to do anything. Satan cannot do anything without God's permission. There's nothing that he can do. Everything that he does, he has to get God's permission, which permission, which is why, even when we understand that, when the sons of God came before God, what were they doing? They're giving a report. They're, t- they're telling everything that they've done and everything they're going to do, right? And that's why he says, hey, I've, Satan says, I've been walking to and fro. I've been trying to find somebody. God says, hey, have you considered my servant Job? He says, no, can't touch Job because you've got your hand on him. God says, okay, I'll take my hand off of him. But... All you can do is this, right? And so he does that. He doesn't curse God. Satan says, well, if, if you'd let me do more, then he would curse you. God says, okay, I'll let you do more, but 
you can't go past this point here. So he does more. He still doesn't curse God, right? And so everything that Satan does, he must get permission from God to do. He's not just free to do anything that he chooses. There is a limit to what he is allowed to do by God. And again, to go beyond that limit, he has to go before God, which again is just, <laughs> I find it amusing. I really do. I find, it, I find it amusing because Satan is obviously one day, again, he's going to try to overthrow God, but yet everything that he does, he has to go get God's permission for. I just, I find that amusing. And yet somehow he thinks that somehow he's going to be able to overthrow God. When everything he can do, he has to get God's permission first. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. He must have had some type of feet or something, legs or something that he was. Yeah, and, and you can, you know, and here, here's where imagination can really go wild, right? You know, um, you know, you can you can come up with all different types of imagination and think, well, this is what he must have looked like, or he must have looked like a, a one of these Chinese dragons with that long body and the feet and everything. And then when God cursed him, he lost his feet, and now he's just slithering around on the ground and all that kind of stuff. You can go, you can. There's all again, you know. Yeah, there's to me, I just can't get past the fact that he's talking. <laughs> Who cares what he looks like? This is a servant that's talking, right? And I don't know, but. Yeah, Brother Ross? Appreciate all the questions, but let's go ahead and have a word of prayer, and we'll be dismissed. Uh, that's why, look, this is why it's so important to know the Word of God, right? You got to know the Word of God. You got to know what the Bible says. Um, we don't want to just bring our own opinions and our own ideas. We we need to know God's Word um, to be able to know to to answer questions and things. And uh, it's that's so very important, especially in the day and age in which we live. Um, and just as we talked about, you've got to guard your mind. Guard your mind. The devil's after it. He wants to put everything he can in there to, to distract us and to keep us from being obedient to God. Um, and so we've got to be very careful about that. All right? Let's go ahead and pray. Father, we do thank you for your word. And thank you for, uh, Lord, just the confidence that we can have in knowing that your word is true. Knowing that we can go to it and find the answers that we need. And, uh, Lord, I pray you just give us a greater confidence in your word. Uh, Lord, thinking of even as we are coming to a new year, uh, Lord, in just a, a week, uh, Lord, that we would just have a greater desire to know you, uh, to know you more. Uh, Lord, I pray that you'd help us, even as we've just looked tonight. Uh, Lord, there's a battle that's taking place for our mind, and Satan's trying to fill our mind with all kinds of junk and filth that, to keep us from being obedient to you. But Lord, we can, uh, through your power and your Holy Spirit, we can cast down those imaginations. We can bring those thoughts uh, into captivity to the obedience of Christ so that we can be used of you. And so, Father, I pray that you'd just help us and Lord, just uh, no matter what we're going through, Lord, I pray you'd help us to know that you're in control. And Lord, no matter what takes place, that you can take that and you can use it for good. And Lord, I pray you'd help us to, to just take our lives and use them for your honor and for your glory. 
uh, Lord, that we would be able to share the gospel with people. They would come to know Christ. And, uh, Lord, just uh, use the, the remaining days that we have, uh, Lord, for your honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God